safe side. Stick out the mandolin and the <laughs> voice. The whole thing, really. Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Hop Heroes, the show where we talk about our favorite drinks and our favorite heroes. I'm your host, Jordan Arith, and with me as always, we have talented artist and comic enthusiast, J.R. Gonzalez. What's up, Jordan? What's up, J.R.? How you living, kid? Good. Life's been good. A little slow. We're shutting down again, but whatever. Yeah, what? Washington's all, all crazy again, huh? I mean, it hasn't really stopped yeah. being crazy, I guess, but... Yeah, everything's uh, shut down again. We're on our way there up in here, Alaska. So Alaska is. Oh, I'm sure we we had a, a very uh, stern warning from our governor last week to to stop being idiots and stay at home <laughs> if all possible. And Alaskans <laughs> don't believe that the virus is real, so I don't think that that will last very well. That that sounds right so, up there. I, I feel like like America just doesn't. Americans are like, you can't tell me what to do. I'm not going to wear my mask. <laughs> Coronavirus is fake. So stupid, dude. Like... Speaking of that accent, bro, weren't you just in Austin, Texas? Is, is that where you picked yeah, that was... up? Did Our third host, Zach Barlow, published author and, and Texas, not native, but recent Texas visitor. How was it like down there, man? Was that what the, the common theme was? Uh, no, actually not really. Austin's actually pretty liberal. So, um, yeah. Austin actually is more like Seattle than you might expect. Yeah. I've heard but, that before. um, it was hot. So that was tight. And, uh, man, do I got a story for you guys? Wow. Oh. I, got, I, I got tested yesterday. Coronavirus tested. I'll try to make this quick. So pretty purely precautionary. We, I live in Seattle. I visited Austin. We flew. We just wanted to make sure everything was like fine so we schedule our test for 2 30 get there at one two hours later in the line uh or we run out of gas because we didn't expect wow. to be sitting in a line for two hours we pull the car to the side we got to call somebody to bring us gas somebody brings us gas long story short we were there from like 1 30 to like 7 at night to get to get this test because the line was so long Moving so slow. God damn. And Alicia convinced me not to get gas before we got there, so. Totally. <laughs> she convinced you not to get gas before. You're like, sure. I knew it! <laughs> I was that like, because as I saw the line, I was like, yo, should we just, like, get out of here and go get gas and come back? She's like, no, 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 it'll be fine. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Damn. Is that the first but, time you got tested? Yes. Is it weird? Yeah, it's hella weird. Uh, when they put, I mean, it doesn't hurt, but it's definitely weird. Like when they put it in your nose, they go up to a point and you, you, I remember thinking like, okay, that's the end of my nose. There's like nowhere else you can go. And then it like keeps going and you're like, oh, you're touching parts of my body. I didn't know exist. Like I didn't (laughs) know my nose was that big. Like, that's like how I felt. Like I was just like, what's, what's back there? What do you like? I, so it was. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. It makes your makes your eyes water and, and all that. But I mean, it's not like terrible. Like it's not like the worst thing ever. It just feels kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, I've gotten tested three times, and two of the times were like that. But the one time I got tested in Arizona, that guy was like carving out a part of my brain with a long toothpick. Like that was brutal. So I think mm. it depends where you go and who you got. Um, but yeah, not fun all around. Um, but you had not a good time in Texas, fun. though. Yeah, man, it was great. It was great. Good. Got to see some family and got to be in some hot weather. Kind of coming back to Seattle, I was kind of just like, man, why do I live here? This is kind of whack. But, you know. Yeah. Sorry yeah, to all my Seattle listeners. Seattle's you're... great. It's just you, if you live in the Northwest, you know that it gets dark super early right now. It's just raining every single day. And that shit sucks. And so. Yeah. It's like dark yeah, to dark. For sure. Your day is dark to dark, yeah. pretty much. You go to work, yeah. it's dark. You come home, it's dark. You're like, uh. Yeah. Oh, please. I, Alaska, the sun rises for like seven minutes right now, so I don't want to hear it. Um, oh, sorry. Did you feel sorry, like you you're were... no longer a Washingtonian. You're an Alaskan uh, wilderness Goddamn guy. Goddamn right. F- fuck, the virus doesn't even exist. We're going to get a lot of hate text propaganda. comments now, like last time. It's all propaganda. Uh, so did you feel like you were in a Western setting while you were down there, Zach? Uh, at times, I did. I went to a Western barbecue that was kind of out of town. And, was it uh, good? I drove from Austin to San Antonio, so we got to see like the the honky donk 
parts of Texas on the way, and that was so I did. Yes. Nice. Nice. Well, the reason I ask is because we're discussing a Western-esque adaptation of one of our favorite franchises, the Star Wars franchise, in The Mandalorian today. We are breaking down the first three chapters of season two, which we are ecstatic. We've been previously known for recapping entire seasons when it comes to shows, but with The Mandalorian and just its impact and uh, how much time we have on our hands and the lack of content out there, let's break down every episode. So we're starting with the first three, and then we'll go episode for episode after this, and Zach hasn't stopped dancing since I said Mandalorian. Uh, Dude, I fucking love The Mandalorian. <laughs> and and uh, to go with the theme of the sky, the universe, the clouds, we are drinking Stratosphere IPA from Alaskan Brewery. So before... We go into the story. Let's head in that beverage breakdown. Stratosphere IPA from Alaskan. So it is a new IPA. It's limited release, but what was really interesting was it's called Stratosphere, S-T-R-A-T-A, and Stratosphere is the uh, typical, you know, spelling of that word. And so Strata is a hop that is actually originated in Oregon State University. Um, and it was actually released commercially until 2018. It's a brand new hop. They did all these experiments. It's from the uh, open pollinated pearl hop plant from Germany. And they used to call the hop XX3. Like it was this huge crossbreeding thing they did in this Oregon State University uh, breeding farm. And it came with the Stratosphere or the Strata hop. And this IPA is fucking delicious. If you guys have this in Washington, you got to find it. It's got this mango citrus, like super light, like it's stratosphere because of the hop, but also it's super like it's like you're, you're drinking a cloud. It's delicious. It's light. And it hits home. I mean, it's 6%. So for an IPA, it's not the strongest, but it's just enough. And six of these will do you good. And it's really easy to drink. So I'm a big fan. And we're back. And without further ado, let's all sit crisscross episodes while JR takes us through story time of The Mandalorian. Sweet. So obviously this is, we're reading, uh, we watched episode one or nine, 10, and 11. Uh, the first one was directed by John Favreau, uh, also written by John Favreau. And I, he's producing it, so you know. Um, and that's the uh, triple threat, Johnny Favs. Love it. Um, and that's the Marshall. And that's where, and, and the story begins with him, you know, having the child and protecting the child. And he's looking for, now he's looking for the Mandalorians that can help him deliver the child to the Jedi. Uh, and he, the reason Jordan mentioned, you know, Western is because in this first episode, he ends up with uh, Cobb Vanth, right? With, which is Timothy Oliphant, which is, I love Timothy. Mm-hmm. Love to meet the sheriff, the sheriff the G. who who he heard has the uh, a Mandalorian gear. Uh, obviously, a big if you're watching the show, a big takeaway from this is anytime he walks up to someone with the Mandalorian gear, they take their helmet off. It's like dun dun dun. It's kind of like every time he sees somebody with the Mandalorian <laughs> gear, the first thing he does is check their gangster. Yeah, just like <laughs> and like nobody nobody checks out like. It, <laughs> it's like not like oh what's up dog he's immediately just like yeah this is the way and they say like it wrong like this is the way and he's like take that fucking armor off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, gonna, that's like a theme i'm gonna fucking kill you the, right now so far. give me your shoes dog so throughout that you'll see that theme because obviously that's what he's, he's looking for the mandalorians and his kind and in in this first episode he he makes out a deal with uh, Cobb to get the gear back if, and I feel like this is another theme throughout the the show is you're seeing him do favors to get what he wants, um, yeah. which is, and this one he's he's been asked to help kill a dragon with the. Sand it's about as RPG as it can get. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a quest every episode, pretty much to quest. get the loot. Yeah, yeah. so that's pretty the much the the first one. Yeah, they kill the dragon, and uh, Cobb Vanth uh, is um, kind of follows through with, on his word and gives the Mando the armor back, which, by the way, is Boba Fett's armor. And dun, that episode dun, dun. has Boba Fett without his armor, like watching from a distance as like the credits roll, as like a little teaser for what's going to happen next. So yeah, dude, that's like something that we should mention. 
Um, but yeah, so that's chapter nine. Chapter nine. Yeah. Marshall. So chapter eleven. You see Boba without his gear, and he's he is not an attractive man. Yeah, um, it's kind of like I don't know if you guys ever watched wrestling, but do you remember when Kane first took his mask off? And you're <laughs> yeah, like, oh, if I you, can imagine. you know Kane's gonna be ugly as shit, right? You just know it. And then you take his mask off, and he's like still surprisingly ugly. <laughs> you're like, oh, I don't God. remember that. Like, <laughs> So you were expecting Boba to be ugly. Is that was that what you're saying? I I, I thought he had oh, some swagger sure. to him. No way, I dude. Be. No way. Boba Fett was like to me. Boba Fett was like working for Jabba the Hutt. He was like very much kind of like his armor was always all effed up, and like he just felt, he seemed to me like to be like a um like a gangster, but not like a cool like American gangster Denzel Washington like dap that mink don't rub it in type of gangster. I feel like he's like the fucking Dirty work, gangster, like the Joe you know? Pesci, like the, the yeah, the like, the, like <laughs> ugh, that guy's been through some shit, like that type of guy. Like you don't want to fuck with him. He also kind of smells bad at the same time. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. He, I mean, he is a villain. So, um, uh, chapter ten is called "The Passenger," and that's directed by uh, Peyton Reed, and obviously written by John Favreau. That came out uh, November six. Um, this one's kind of I feel like an in between. Uh, you know, he he ends up um, leaving Tatooine. You know, he's been given another task, save some frogs. Um, I know we talked about Jenna. <laughs> we talked about the frogs getting eggs being eaten by. Uh, yeah, Baby Yoda commits genocide. Yeah, or tries genocide, to at least, by uh, eating those those poor little those poor little eggs. Right. Dogs um, gotta eat. The the cool part the is the world freaked out uh, by that. From they that, should. By the way. You guys Dude, were like, people were you throwing guys fits. Were, you guys were un- inexplicably unfazed. Yeah, like, I just don't. I, I thought it was cute, and I just feel like it looked cute. He's I don't like get it. He ate sick. frogs in season one. It's just because they were in egg form that you're freaking out, and it's because it was the is, last is, of the race. I mean, I guess is it because they're humanoid? But... Is it because they're humanoid? Yeah, they're frogs? sentient. They're like I don't... aware of themselves, bro. Like, they remind me of, of like there's that a difference between like a frog and like an alien that just happens to speak a different language, but still like walks and talks and can drive a ship and like. Well, then Nose. I challenge Peyton Reed to have a more distinguished type of frog because they were literally just walking frogs. Like, they might – I know Bro, that she communicated commu- she eventually. Communicated. But it, they, they, I did not feel a connection to Frog Lady, not to mention her I name was, was Frog Lady. She did, I just think because she didn't speak English. Like, I bet you if that character spoke and had lines instead of just made noises, you would feel differently. I don't think that the presentation was very – I don't know, creative either. It's literally just like a person with a frog head. I don't know. Don't know. Fro- fro- frog wearing dress. Frog's about to get yeah. eaten by Yoda's. It's just yeah. food chain. Okay. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So I, I feel like the best part for me on that one was the X-Wing fighters, you know, seeing the, re- the New Republic and um, watching them. You do get cops. introduced to the New Republic and they're cocksuckers. Watching, watching them be cops, assholes, cops, you know, but they saved the day. Which and, I loved. Uh, yeah. From, that was good touch. Spiders that. Go after again because little baby Yoda or the kid, the child tends to like eggs for some reason. He wants some scrambled baby, eggs every morning. Ba- ba- baby Yoda's in his terrible twos right now. Yeah, he's like, ooh, eggs. Yeah, he's a little problem child, dude. He's, he's yeah. messing all things up. Um, I like his teeth for like the little teeth. I, I like how they, you know, make that. He's got these cute little front teeth. I thought they were cute. Little he's still teeth. cute as fuck, but yeah. he's a yeah. kind of a little dick. He looked a little uh, mechanical to me a couple a couple times in the first two in this, episodes. In, Third episode, in, I didn't really see it. Episode two, yes, I feel like walking in the snow, he did look a little. Um, and like when they grab him, he like, like, like it's like very <laughs> stiff when they grab I don't, him. I don't think like, they. I don't think they're. I I I, I mean I, I wonder about this, but I don't know if they're using CGI for that character. I, feel I don't like think they like are. Doing, like, Sometimes I think they are. Probably. I think uh, some scenes they are. It looks more like puppeteer to me, you know. Like Jim it might Henson. be a mix mix between the two. Maybe yeah, like when he things. is like interacting with the force and like closing his eyes and stuff, it, it seems CGI and it looks legit. And then like there's sometimes like I think when they physically are holding him and hand him off, it looks like he's like a freaking. I see Furby. why they would do that actually. Yeah. 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 If he's not physically interacting with the environment, they could make it CGI. But if like he physically is interacting with a character, like you can't really. That's harder to CGI. You would think so. Yeah. I mean, true, but they also made Will Smith freaking 21 in Gemini Man with CGI, so there's a lot of things good. they can do. Jordan, they might have different <laughs> budgets, bud. You don't know. <laughs> hey, I like the way I don't he know, man. He looked they're, they're like, that, 
that type or that type that X-wing scene was pretty high budget. That was they've they've I got know. some pretty I good did. creatures. Honestly, this too. show probably has the highest budget ever. It's Disney. fucking Disney. It's right Disney's hottest. The have you seen the, the lineup of directors that are working on <laughs> yeah. this show? Yeah, dude. It's ridiculous. It's like the all star of like like Taika Waititi, John Favreau, like all these fucking got Bryce Dallas Howard on the directors. third. Yeah. yeah, yeah, dude. Just yeah, that's pretty. Good. So, okay, all right. So. Check. Uh, that's chapter 10. Any thoughts before we move to chapter, like, quick thoughts before we move to chapter 11? Which no, is I want to get the recaps done so we All can right, start so, bullshitting. Uh, chapter yeah. 11, the Harris, uh, obviously directed by uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Everybody should know who Bryce Dallas Howard. She was Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man 3. She was, um, she's a pretty famous actress, The Village. She's also Ron Howard's daughter. She was in Jurassic Park movies, you know pretty cool lady and lady in the water she's, lady in the water yeah so she's pretty she's a great actress um but once so the the idea for uh the mandalorian to get to his next spot to next point in the map is to drop the, the lady frog off to uh this planet where her husband was staying so they can continue the race which she does and then because the husband knew of some mandalorians um and uh, basically, it's like a fishing planet, right? Because I think that the, it's a water planet. Yeah, yeah. they're like uh, people with like squid faces or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and that big thing that looked like the AT ATT Walker, um, I think that's what they're called in Empire, and it was in the water, like the big crane thing that pulled the ship out mm-hmm. of the water had legs. Oh on yeah, it. Like, I thought that, that was, was so dope. rad, yeah. dude. I was like, I wish we had that here. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> I know, just a big freaking imperial like battleship mm-hmm. carrier in the ocean. Yep. Super what the fuck would we use that for? Picking up ships that crash in the water, dude. That's true. <laughs> it's a crane that walks. Why would you? Know? We could find like it's a multi-billion dollar project that. to pick up ships that <laughs> land in the water. Like, Who knows what's in there, man? And we right haven't now. been able to reach it because what we can't we walk on the about? ocean floor. No. I I like it. I, I like it. Mile long legs, so. I like it. Get to the middle of the ocean. That seems so fiscally irresponsible for a society <laughs> to build. Uh, Bro, we have a space he, team, a space military now. We're we're we're, hey man, we're branching out there. Humanity's going out. to Mars. <laughs> yes, we are. Star Trek, baby. I'm ready. Um, so in this one again, he uh he he gets shown these these I guess Mandalorian isk type of people. Uh, the leader of is uh Bo Katan. Cries, craze. I may say that right. Oh, Which Katan. is is uh her. She's played Kreese. by uh Kreese by um Katie uh, Sackoff. So if anybody doesn't know who Katie Sackoff is, she was on Battlestar Galactica, uh the sh- um Long Longmire, which I thought was a really good show. Um, she's played some of these off kind of hardcore women kind of characters. You know, um, mm. she's a great YouTube channel. So if anybody want to check her YouTube channel out? Um, and again tasked to do another thing you know to uh, uh help them out to help him out and obviously they take their helmets off and he's like bitches where's my real he's friend? like you're not mandalorian on. he's like where are my real friends you aren't my real yeah. friends you are yeah so um and again he just does the same thing he kicks ass he wins you know uh helps out the what are they after military stuff Right, they're after, after weapons, weapons from the weapons empire to take their planet yeah. back themselves. So um, yeah, they're, they're trying to. But arm then the themselves. rules of the deal change, and then they have to take the ship itself. Yeah, which mm-hmm. seem to change. Which they do. Which they end up succeeding. <laughs> That's because they um, they've got Mando. That's why. Yeah, and then and the um, general was actually a famous actor too, who's in Sons of Anarchy, and he's in a lot of stuff. The yeah, he had a, a crash pretty ship. successful Amazon show for a while. Um, God. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember his name though. He's a great yeah. actor. No, you're right. It's, it's good. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Without giving too much spoilers, which I'm ready yeah. to do later. So they take the ship. Uh, one last thing. After they take the ship, uh, Din, Jaren, uh, and Bo-Katan kind of solidify their deal, finalize it, and she sends him to a forest planet where there is a Jedi that is waiting to. Uh, receive him and she says and tell her look and sent you and he said all right word and that's basically, right, shorty uh, that's basically she, the uh the, she says the name of the jedi right it's it's uh yeah anakin's padawan 
It right? is. Yes, correct. It From is the Anakin Clone Padawan. Wars, right? The Clone yes. Wars show, which we've talked about yeah. in the past. Yeah. Yeah, she's like one of the more prominent characters from what I've been told. I never mm-hmm. watched Clone Wars, but. Uh, Ioska Tano. Ios is how you say it. Ios Ioska Tano. I have to watch that show again. That was a pretty good show. Clone Wars. Yeah, uh, I haven't I haven't seen it, but it's on my list. And uh, from like doing research for this, I'm realizing that that show must have been fucking lit. So dude, it was super good. I uh, definitely. Gonna I've heard only it. good things for sure. Yeah. So all right, okay. let's, let's, uh, we're, we're gonna go into our um, our opinions, but first we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back after these messages. What comes to mind? You think of horror. You think of abandoned graveyards, rotting houses sinking into the earth. The dead rising from the graves. My name is Anthony Gamoya, and ever since I was a young boy at the age of four or three, I've been obsessed with monsters, ghouls, goblins, horror, scariness, whatever what you name it, I've seen it, and I love it. The horror genre draws us in for many different reasons. Some of us like to be scared, others find some sense of catharsis in the fear and destruction of sanctity and society and conformity. Other people just like to see really cool monsters ripping people apart, and that's all valid. So this podcast is an exploration of the genre. I've rounded up several different people. Writers, artists, enthusiasts, personalities, critics, professors, editors. To get them all together into this little project of mine. Every episode, I will be interviewing two different people, asking them about a movie that they love be it a film that scares them, a film that means something to them, a film that just sticks out in memory. And I'm going to ask them about how they feel about it, what they think about it, what they love about it, what they don't like about it. And in this mission, I suppose you can call it, I'm going to find out why so many people love horror. I'm going to cut to the core of the horror fandom. So please join me on this little excursion, little voyage dive into the core of our collective passion welcome to the pumpkin core horror movie podcast and we're back zach you think you want to unleash something out into this world yeah dude so we're so um i fucking love the mandalorian i mean like i have (laughs) Like, I, I don't know, like, I think that, um, I think it's a dope-ass show, and I love the direction that it's going in, and, um, I thought that episode two felt like a little bit of filler, um, I did not feel that way about episode three, I thought that episode three was, like, a big push towards a plot, yeah. and, um, and I kind of, it feels like the Mandalorian's in a position to, like, only push towards the end like season finale to this from this point forward and uh that's exciting um so season episode three of season three is my favorite so far uh and i you know i'd probably give that like a eight um but overall i mean i'm loving it okay um i guess we can sit on 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 three real quick i i i liked it i didn't love it and I feel like if I had more connection to the lore, the Manda lore, <laughs> my goodness, I would be way more into it. But there was just a lot of characters that I didn't know their story background, like Bo-Katan, like, I, like the way that she said her name multiple times. And you heard that name. It's like, OK, there's, there's probably some long lineage who that is. I think you're going to eventually in this episode. So okay. uh, it's just me watching it, not knowing that. I don't think I had the same connection that a lot of like hardcore Star Wars fans did. I did like the the whole episode was fun. I mean, there was this huge creature in the boat that you know swallowed Yoda, and then the Night Owls came in and just fucked it up, and it was really cool. Um, the action was awesome. Only thing I thought was a little sloppy that they. Like the whole setup, like JR said, is kind of been a common trope where he goes to do something and then he gets sidetracked by a mission that he has to accomplish to get the a thing he was eventually looking for. And then in that mission, the terms change. And like that's been done obviously multiple times in the show, and that's not the biggest deal. But like this one just felt like it was super just like not even trying. Like I'll I'll tell you where the Jedi is, but first I have a mission for you. And it's like, Jesus, man, like every time. Like in the first episode, 
he's telling him he wants the armor and then this crate dragon comes through and everybody's freaking out and shaking the city and let's talk about the oliphant in the room timothy oliphant kills it and oh it's basically gosh. saying what are we doing hey man on fire right now I'll give, thank you. I'll give you this armor, but can you help me kill this fucking thing? And, and and he's like, sure, dude. Like that was like a way better way of like creating that dynamic than just saying, I'll help you, but first I have a mission for you. So that was my only thing holding me back from episode three. Other than that, I really did think it was awesome. I gave it a seven point five. Mm. Nice, Jay. Um, so I I enjoy it. I'm enjoying the whole thing. I think being able. I mean, I like watching shows all at once. Um, but I think they're doing a good job with keeping me entertained from episode to episode. Uh, so, you know, chapter three, I, I mean, it kind of has a, a Lord of the Rings feel to, to it to me with this journey and these kind of little things to solve throughout. Um, if you read the books, it's more like that instead of the movies. Um, and, uh, but it's entertaining. And so I, I think, um, I'm enjoying that part. Uh. I, I, you know, I, I know a little bit about Star Wars, not like deep thought, you know, you know, I, I do know a little bit. I've read some books. Um, I've, so, I mean, I know a little bit like about Botica and I can never say the name right. Uh, Bo-Katan Crease, uh, and you know, the, uh, upcoming characters. So, I mean, I'm excited. That gets me excited. So I can see where Jordan's coming from. So I'm, I'm giving it like an 8.5. Um, just because I, I, I'm enjoying the, the, even though there are times where the child, Baby Yoda, looks like a little bit of a robot, it's still fun to watch him carry that little thing around in his arm, you know, like a little football mm-hmm. sometimes. And um, now you're starting to see a lot of character come out of the child, right? Like, I mean, we talked about the frog thing, and one of the eggs actually hatches. Um, I knew, I'm, I'm gonna. I, I thought it. he was gonna eat that thing. Dude. Yeah, and the thing was like. I was like, oh my god, he's gonna eat it. And let's get real weird. Yeah. Um, and he's like giggling, and and you know, Mando's like, don't do it. You know, like behave yourself. Basically, is what he said. Um, so I'm loving how they're developing the child. I mean, it's still. I know what the child is. It's a carrot, right? It's a carrot in front of you. It's a little carrot dangling, and. This is how we're going to keep our audience. We're going to keep adults. We're going to keep children involved. And this is what they're going to do. I totally get it. Uh, but I think uh, John, but John over there, Marvel Studios, Disney Studios is doing a good job. Johnny Fabs, hey. Hey. You know. <laughs> He's uh, Italian all of a sudden. Hey. Uh, by the way, if anybody's ever watched Rudy, John's in that movie and he's like, twice the size as he is now so give him some kudos for working that hey, out 30 years ago good shit, man um so uh just some <laughs> all just, right just some info for you there all right are so you guys ready for me to to raise your rating before we go beneath the ink bro we gotta oh, rate so the first excited. two episodes so let's just get through we went we're working backwards here so we'll go to two i think that two we're all pretty much on the same page of two it's kind of a filler episode it was fun um, it was pretty much a bottle episode, everything encapsulated in that little crevasse with the New Republic, with the giant spiders, yeah. um, a little bit of dialogue with Frog Lady. Um, I thought it was cool. I thought it was, you know, kind of a filler between episodes, so I didn't have a whole lot of connection to it, but I thought it was fun. So I gave that one a 6.5. I, I gave it a 7. I mean, I kind of talked about it a little bit. I mean, I love the ice. Fact, I love ice worlds on Star Wars. I think they're freaking amazing if you're a Star Wars fan. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I think yeah. homage to the to the New Hope, right? It's the second one. Empire um, Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back, and um, so I think that's great. Yeah. So I gave it a I gave it a seven. I mean, I don't know. If, seems like a legit. It's not nothing too crazy. I think I gave it a six. Okay. Um, and I say that as, uh, just trying to remember because, um, I know we had this conversation, but, uh, yeah, I thought it was a filler episode. I thought, I didn't think it was terrible, but I ultimately thought that I feel like there's going to be episodes in this season that blow my mind. And so like, you got to set the curve at some point. And, uh, so like, it was like a filler, it was solid, it was a six, but you know, seven, eight, nine, and maybe even 10, who knows? 
uh, you know, <laughs> I know. I, I, I'm saving that out of expectation. Okay. So that leaves us with an, a 6.5 for number two. We have an eight for number three. Number one was my personal favorite so far. Uh, one of my favorite episodes of the series. I thought that it was a great way to reintroduce us into the second season. It didn't have to do a whole lot of world building. It was almost its own standalone episode, but did have some, you know, uh, narrative plot points that will build on future stories, especially with the ending and Boba Fett. I thought the crate dragon was super rad. Um, the way they fought it, the team up, Timmy Ophelofont killed it. Um, I really liked the opening scene. I liked the combat with Mando. He looked like a badass. So I, I really enjoyed episode one or chapter nine. Um, I gave that one a nine. Yeah, I, I think I gave that one a high score just because I loved the whole setting and I was pretty excited about the show coming out. So I think I gave, I think I want to give that one a nine if it was lower than before or whatever we talked about. But um, anytime Timothy Oliphant's in something and it's Western, I mean, it's close Lay to up. <laughs> I mean, what more can you ask? I, Shoot I, it I, into the, the award ceremony, all right? I mean, he's, win. he's got this like hitch to his walk. I mean, he's got this like swag to his shoulders. He's got this like big smile and his hair is He's way more thin fat. than I thought he would. He, he hasn't. He he's, has a a, he's thin. S- he's thinner small here. Waistline. Um, he was, you know, if you watch uh, Gone in 60 Seconds, he was, you know, a little much younger, but he was definitely, you know. Oh, he was he, that, wasn't he? I forgot about Bro, that. I'm, I'm pulling him out of everywhere. I mean, these, these Star Wars has got all the good peeps in there, so it's just like, oh, I, um, but yeah, he was, you know, spiky hair then, so you know, that gives you the era, but, um. Frosted tips, probably. Probably. No, I don't think that. That was probably the Jordan, next. you ever frost your tips? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, come on. Who are you talking to here? Of course I did. God. Isn't there a, a picture of that somewhere? <laughs> Frosted tips, puka shell necklace, polo strap, polo puka shirt. Puka shell necklaces. Actually, now that I remember, you Dude, did hard. You uh, absolutely. You puka shell necklaces. Wow. I think I had puka shell necklaces when you had black fingernail polish. I think that was the same time. Wait, what? <laughs> I think we I'm, I'm so glad I wasn't. A, I, I wasn't you. in that uh, in that group or young enough to be it, but you don't know any of Jordan's lying. I'm telling the truth. <laughs> Pretty sure you've admitted that on several episodes about four beers in. Bro, I never painted <laughs> right. my fingernails. Oh, yeah. Anyway, my chem, straightened hair, painted fingernails. Just nobody could figure you out, man. A little bit of eyeliner. Yeah, exactly. You, it was. It wasn't. Fingernail polish, bro. It was a Sharpie marker. You don't. You still don't understand me. Oh my god, I wow. never will. Wow. What was your take on <laughs> that? Is more emo than chapter I've ever nine heard in my life. The Marshall. Wow. Back. <laughs> uh, wow. Where you go. All that happening, by the way. Zach, what was your score? Absolutely. Um. Yeah, I like the episode. I didn't. I wasn't as high on it as you guys were. Um. But I was excited about the show, and um, I loved the crate dragon, and I I felt like it was like, it, it was interesting because that felt like a uh one-off episode that was like all of season one almost and since then i feel like it's really kind of gone into this like obvious larger story um and i wonder if that was just like an homage to like okay this is going to be like our less our last like western themed kind of you know episode that we we wanted to tack on before we like enter into like the next chapter of like how we want to tell this story um but yeah i thought it was solid i i give it a seven okay so we got 8.3 for episode 1, chapter 9. We got a 6.5 for chapter 10. And then we got an 8 for chapter 11. So that feels right. All around pretty strong scores. And now we can go beneath the ink because Z has some tales to tell us. Man, I'm so excited for this week's Beneath the Ink, you guys. I'm like, I've been like trying to like, get it out since I since I wrote this. So I did some research on who Bo-Katan Kreese is. Because like J- Jordan, I uh, actually never watched The Clone Wars and the, I think there's another animated, I think it's called the, maybe The Rebels. Rebels. Or the Rebel Attack or something. Yeah. The Rebels. I haven't seen those yet. I want to, but I haven't seen them. Everybody I've talked to who has always, you know, talks them up, whatever. So this was, and I kind of felt like, okay, who is this person? This might, this might is a must be a big character. So I did some research, and you guys are about to, dude, her history, nuts. So let's get into it. Kreese comes into play as the sister of the leader of Mandalore. So when she's first introduced, she is the sister of Satine Kreese, 
who is literally the queen of Mandalore. Satine Kreese led Man Mandalore as a pacifist and spread peace throughout the warring and martial culture of Mandalore. Mandalore obviously has like, they're kind of like the Trojans. They have like a long history of like war and fighting each other and fighting other nations and all this other shit. And Satine came, and when she came into power, she like spread this like peaceful, pacifist, like let's chill out and actually just be a, a uh, race that is productive. And that was like her big difference. Bo-Katan disagreed with her sister and sought to undo the pacifistic teachings, believing that Mandal Mandalore should take pride in its martial history. This shifting view from her sister led Bo-Katan to join a Mandalorian terrorist organization called Death Watch. Death Watch discovers Darth Maul, no he did not die from oh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn, who then joins the ranks of Death Watch and uses his Sith power to help them reclaim Mandalore from the rule, from the pacifist rule of uh, Bo-Katan's sister. So here's Bo-Katan. She's leading this terrorist organization with Death Watch, and she's partnered with Darth Maul. With Maul now part of Death Watch, they're able to unite several underground crime syndicates to form what was known as the Shadow Collective. So Death Watch grows brings in a lot of different organizations uh, be because of Darth Maul's like influence with like crime and they become a much larger force and they rename themselves as the Shadow Collective. The Shadow Collective oh, uh, overthrows Satan and throws her in jail, appointing one of their leaders, Governor Pre Vizsla, as the new ruler of Mandalore. So they win, they put Satan in jail, Shadow Watch is now ruling Mandalore. Classic Darth Maul betrays the Shadow Watch at the last second, challenges Vizsla to a duel, kills him, and by Mandalorian law, takes the throne of Mandalore. So Darth Maul gets the Darksaber, is now the king of Mandalore. Bo-Katan refuses to recognize the rule of Darth Maul and forms a strike force of Mandalorian loyalists to challenge Maul. They rescue her sister Satine from prison and call Obi-Wan Kenobi to help them. Since the Jedi are supposed to be neutral, in these matters, Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, was forced to come alone without, like, an army. Um, and ultimately gets captured by Maul along with his lover. His, like, lover he wasn't supposed to have. Like, Satine and Obi-Wan are actually in love. Kind of like Anakin and Padme were. Like, a forbidden love Ooh. situation. So, Obi-Wan's a big fucking hypocrite. Um, <laughs> what? Maul then kills Satine in front of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So he captures Obi-Wan, captures Satine, off Satine, makes Obi-Wan watch it. Savage, bro. Dude, yeah. Obi was then brought to prison and freed by a now royally fucking pissed off Bo-Katan. The killing of Satine and prison break of Obi-Wan thrust all of Mandalore into a full-on civil war, with half of the people fighting for their lawful leader, Darth Maul, and the other half fighting as a resistance led by Obi-Wan and Baton Crease, Bo Katon Crease. Ultimately, Obi-Wan calls in the Galactic Republic to come to Mandalore and clean the trash, uh, forcing Darth Maul to flee the planet. At that point, Bo Katon Crease was Lady of House Crease and Regent of, of Mandalore. Or, in other words, she takes the throne of Mandalore uh, and gets the Darksaber doing it. The Darksaber is like a symbol of Mandalorian culture representing the king or queen of Mandalore. Like, only the leader of Mandalore can have the Darksaber. Which, um, in the show, is in Moff Gideon's hands now. Correct. Okay. Correct. I'm, I'm getting there. A position she held briefly as she refused to follow the newly appointed Galactic Empire, Emperor Palpatine. So as soon, shortly after she becomes the Queen of Mandalore, the Empire, like, announces its, like, empire. The dynasty. What do you call that when you only have one? Dictatorship. Mm -hmm. And... Um, by rule of law, the Emperor Palpatine is, like, now the ruler of Mandalore, because he's the ruler of everything. Yep. And Bo-Katan Bo Bo Kreese is like, fuck that, I'm not following him, so she kind of, like, relinquishes her, her uh, rule. So, uh, at that point, when she walks away, an Empire puppet took Mandalore over and basically turns the entire planet into the Empire. So, almost slavery. It's pretty much slavery. The Empire pretty much just ends up taking over the entire planet 
At some point, the Mandalorians decide to resist the Empire and seek a leader powerful enough to free their people from the Empire rule. Ultimately, they find uh, Bo-Katan Kreese and convince her to return to Mandalore to lead the Resistance and give her the Darksaber as a symbol of the leader of Mandalore. So they steal the Darksaber from the Empire, find Bo-Katan, give her the Darksaber back, and say, please come back, we need you, you're the only one that can lead us to, to victory. She takes the Darksaber and uses it to crush the Empire and free her people and unites her people. Because that's the other thing. Like, Mandalore is like a bunch of warring tribes. And so you need, a, like, a real strong leader to unite the Mandalorians. Because if you can unite them, then, like, they almost never lose. But it's, it's really hard to do that. So Bo-Katan Kryze is, like, a leader that everybody knows. She's, like, the rightful ruler of Mandalore. And she's got the Darksaber. Everybody's like, all right, yeah, we're, we're following her. So that was, like, her superpower in that battle. Um, this victory was short-lived, however, because the Empire, after hearing of the Mandalorian's successful rebellion, initiated the Great Purge, which we are actually, we've, it's been referenced in the yeah. show Mandalorian. Yeah. Which was essentially a Mandalorian genocide at the hands of the Empire, forcing the Mandalorians who survived to live in secret, which is why they were, like, all underground and didn't want anybody to know they were Mandalorian. Um, and since the Great Purge, we haven't heard anything about Bo-Katan. Until now. Dun, dun, so she's, dun. she showed up again. So that all that history, all that fucking history is behind that character that we met in episode three of season three. Um, and as I was like doing this research and, and writing that up, I had a lot of time to think about this. Okay. So here's my thoughts. I feel like, so, so here's an interesting thing. When Din Djarin expresses... Uh, to Bo-Katan that she's not a true Mandalorian. The reason why he does that is because she lifts her helmet off her off, off of her head. When, when she does that, um, Bo immediately identifies him, like identifies Din as, oh, you must be a child of the Watch. Mm. Now, a child of the Watch, if we go all the way back to the beginning of Bo-Katan's history that we just talked about, at the very beginning, there was Satine, who was the pacifist, and there was Bo-Katan's group, who was like the Mandalorian purist, evangelical kind of religion group. And what were they called? The Death Watch. Death Watch. Death Watch. And when she says, you're a child of the Watch, what she means, what I believe she means is that Din Djarin got picked up by Death Watch, who's not like the rest of the Mandalorians. They're actually like a small evangelical sect of Mandalorians who still want to like hold true to like the true way of Mandalore and you can't like lift your helmet and you can't do all this other shit but what yeah. Din doesn't realize in that conversation is that he's literally fucking talking to the architect of his his whole world like how he knows who to be is because of this person and now her helmet's off and it's hilarious because he's like you're not a true Mandalore she's like the fuck she's like George Washington of the Mandalorians like she's like the Mandalore and he's like oh you took your helmet off you ain't shit and so what what I think this is is like a shading of the future because clearly Bo-Katan has I don't know if she's renounced her um shitty ways when she was like a terrorist leader organization and she was leading Death Watch but clearly things have changed because she walks around with her helmet off now like she's not as she's not such a zealot 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 as she used to be and Din Djarin still is and I think that introducing Bo-Katan in that way is like showing us like okay this is gonna be Din Djarin's Gandalf like we are watching a hero's journey we're watching a circular narrative of Din Djarin, and even in the even in the very beginning when Bo-Katan meets Din Djarin, how does how does how what's the first interaction they have together? Din Djarin grabs drowning. him and saves him. He's the... under the water. He's getting fucked up. And what happens? The camera looks up at Bo-Katan, who's looking back down. She extends a hand and she says, "Grab my hand." That's not an accident. What we're seeing is, so in every hero's journey, there has to be the mentor. That It's just like, it's just a thing. And she, this is what we're seeing. And what that means 
is, and this is like me going way off the fucking deep end, but what that means, if that's true, is that we are going to watch the rise of Din Djarin, the next king of Mandalore. And we're going to watch him take Mandalore back. That's what I think. That's what I think. I, 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 I'm pulling all of this off of season three. Because I think that bo going to teach him. Just episode three. Season three, three episode three. Because I think bo -Katan, No, no. Because I think bo is going to teach him that there's not just one way to be a Mandalorian. And sh she's going to teach him how to lead. And, like, how to rule. And then she's ultimately going to die. Because she has to. If if Because that role always dies. Like, the, the hero has to learn how to accept the teaching and then like tran and then transcend into the next iteration or whatever and so that's what i think is about to happen like i think that she's gonna be his his mentor and he's gonna be he's gonna get the dark saber in like season seven and fucking take over mandalore and it's gonna be awesome all right well i'm here for it i think that's I mean, that's pretty much, I think, what happens in, like, so, like, the animated show is kind of, gives you more of a backstory to what you just read, like, Darth Maul and everything in Mandalore. Yeah, yeah. So, a lot of her story is in the Clone Wars. Cool. Yeah, she well, looks that, exactly that the way she did. In hey, and show. did yeah. you know the, the actress playing Bo-Katan was actually the actress that voiced Katie Sackhoff? in the Clone Wars? Yeah. Oh, that's dope. That's they perfect. just straight up hired her. They're like, all right, you're still going to be Bo-Katan. We need you. That's sick. She did a great job. Um, the only yeah. thing I would say is, if that's true, your theory is correct. I feel like she's more of an Aragorn than a Gandalf, like the former king that needs to reclaim her throne and leads in the battle. So maybe, maybe Mando is going to help her take reclaim her throne. Maybe she doesn't die. You know, I don't know if Mando's built for the throne necessarily, but um, we don't know yet. Yeah, we don't know. Although, although, think about this. Think about this. In episode one, season three. Mando convinces two different groups who fucking hate each other to work together to achieve a single cause. That's very king -like. That seems like leadership to me. Yeah, very that true. That seems like he's working on some leadership shit. I don't know, man. <laughs> he's working on his leadership skills. He's working on his he leadership some workshops. skills. I, 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 I feel like he's taking those workshops. He's in that master class. <laughs> well, awesome beneath the man. That's very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Either way, I'll just say Bo-Katan, the, the character that we got introduced to in, in episode 3, season 3, I have zero doubt in my mind, is like gonna just play the hugest role moving forward. Oh, yeah. She's like, she's a monster. Like, she's, like, as far as like character arc and history and like, she's just been a part of like the entire history of Mandalore throughout time. Like, she's just huge. And so... Oh yeah. Rewatch the episode if you didn't get that sense, because like, you gotta know that she's just such a beast. Dude. Well, like Jr. was saying, like the carrot that's in front of you the whole time is Baby Yoda, but there's some iconic pieces that have been introduced that are kind of in the shadows now, with Boba Fett in the first episode, Bo-Katan mm -hmm. in this one, Moff Gideon's yeah. out there somewhere looking for him. Like, there's all these mm -hmm. things happening behind the scenes, and now he's going mm -hmm. to a planet to meet. Anakin's Padawan. Like, there's gonna be there's yes. so many yeah, huge I was just say that. pieces. The next episode, when we meet Anakin's Padawan, like, there's I could probably do a whole nother history on that character. Too, oh, I bet. Character has, I hope like, you do. Like, yeah. she left the Jedi Order, and then she got like brought back, and then like all this shit because she didn't get along with it. It was all like, and played a huge role in in the Mandalorian piece and stuff. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Maybe that'll be my next big thing. Maybe I'll just do these deep dives on characters i don't know but i like it. i'm looking forward to it i think it's gonna be we're getting deep dude Man, i think it's perfect because you add you add like the the um, literature and the animated lore to the mandalorian for those i haven't read or seen that so i i appreciate it i'm sure our listeners do too Um, great stuff. Well, I'm fucking excited for the next episode. I think that we have a great season ahead of us. I'm already more excited about this season than I was about season one. So I think that there's some great yeah, man. things to freaking come. Um, Agreed. Before we sign off, is there anything you guys want to plug, JR? Uh, just uh, Action City Comics. Again, with the state kind of shutting down a little, you know, support your local shops. Um, I'm hitting, I'm helping them hit hard the online stuff. So shipping and all that stuff you guys need something let me know um books 
anything like that upcoming books omnibus trades whatever um so yeah i mean just go out there and support because they're they're the ones who get hit hard the most during this i mean he can only let seven people at a time and tomorrow is comic book day and usually there's like 20 people that show up like yeah right their first hour so Mm -hmm. you know it's gonna affect i mean i know how it's gonna affect him but imagine how it's gonna affect some of these other shops who are just kind of squeezing by and um our favorite Chinese shop that's been there longer than Amber's been alive shut down this year. So um, I think we just need to be cognizant of what's going on and be safe, but also make it, you know, make it work. Help everybody out. Yeah. Do your best to support, support yeah. the, the local businesses yeah. around you. It's Walmart, huge. Target, Absolutely. they're going to be fine. Amazon's yeah, exactly. going to be fine. All right. Yeah. So yeah. do your thing, do your part. You know, no one likes to be in this spot, but um if we can help them out i don't want to see any other places closed down that are part of our lives so absolutely my, absolutely my spiel. yeah support local businesses and um you know the second wave's hit us hard let's power through it and we'll, we'll provide plenty of mandalorian content for you along the way so we can get through this together and uh wait out this storm but um as always you can find us at hop heroes pod on instagram and twitter thank you guys so much for listening this week and we'll catch you all next week this is the way This is the fucking word!